Hello and welcome to this podcast trailer of Sam's Alternative slash Sam Saturday, four hours of power, podcast three of three, part one. On this part of the podcast, I'll be chatting to Brendan from South Australian metal band Those Left Behind about their latest single, The Message, that dropped on Friday. We'll talk to Brendan about what the band has been up to since we last spoke, what the response has been like for The Message. Plus, I will play The Message in part two, the music part of the podcast. We'll also see who his three favourite South Australian bands are as well. So why don't we get into the podcast interview with Brendan from Those Left Behind. Here it is for you now. Evening, Brendan. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Good, thanks. Long time no speak, even though we did speak late last year on the podcast. It does actually feel a little while since we have last spoken. Yeah, I was just looking at that and I was uh, looking at when was the last time we spoke and it just made me reflect on a little bit of uh, what's happened with the band since then. And yeah, no, a bit of time has, uh, has passed since then. This year's just absolutely flown past. Well, we're in November on Wednesday. Like, how is that even possible? I <laughs> uh, no, right? It's just uh, it's just an absolutely rip past this year. Yes, it's... um. Before we know it, it'll be 2024 and another big year in music, which is going to be hard to top 2023 already. So, Absolutely. Some big names have come down, but uh, it's setting up that uh, next year is going to be looking pretty sweet as well. So, no, it'll be good. Well, uh, no stranger to this podcast, Brendan, from Those Left Behind. And actually, Those Left Behind are no strangers to this podcast at all because this is the third time I've interviewed either Tim or Brendan on the podcast. So next one must be Tim then because it's gone Brendan, Tim, Brendan. So the fourth one must be Tim then, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm surprised I got the ass back after the uh, after the last one. But uh, no, thank you for having me on. <laughs> nah, it's all good, mate. Um, loving the message, by the way. I know it's only been out, what, three days, but it's still a bloody good song. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we were really, really happy with um, the way that one turned out. So yeah, we've been um, we've been workshopping it um, for a while now, and yeah, we're just we're just really keen to like yeah have it out there so everyone can see. We've been playing it live for quite some time now, um, but yeah, throughout um, like the writing and the recording process, it just changed and morphed into what we released, and yeah, we're we're really really happy with it. Mm. Because I feel it's got a different edge to like choking on life and mark my words, push to self-destruct. I feel like it's a more aggressive sound in the song, especially the start of the song. Like it might just be my outlook on things. I don't know if you've got the same outlook on it, Brendan, but that's just what I've come across with the message. I think I think what's um what's also happened with uh, those left behind over the journey is you've also got um, a whole bunch of people writing music now. Um, so yeah. those previous releases, uh, myself and Wade um, weren't in the bands. Kai was, you know, in the beginning. I'm not sure. Actually, I'm not sure. I think Kai was maybe on 2020 or but um, had only just started into the band. So. Yeah, what you're actually looking at now and what's being released is, um, you know, a completely, you know, musically, you know, besides from the lyrics is, a, you know, completely different uh, writing group at this particular point. So even um, 
the message was, you know, written and, you know, was put down as, uh, you know, it was going to be recorded uh, before, uh, what you call it, uh, myself and uh, Wade were in the band. And when we joined, we changed a few things here and there, you know, musically. Um, we did a lot of work in pre-production as well. So Tim, you know, really worked on his uh, vocals through there. So, yeah, it's... Um, I think uh, starting to put a little bit more of a stamp of where we want to go um, as a band, especially especially aggressively. We want to definitely uh, be a lot more heavier. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's really, really nice to hear that and it's actually starting to, you know, come across because that's what we're, you know, really going for. And even more so, like, given what was released on Friday, like I, a whole heap of music was released on Friday for the people that didn't see, like Virtues, Universes, um, a whole heap of other bands from Australia and around the world. And I just thought, when I looked at all the releases that day, I felt like the message actually stood out more than the other songs. That's no disrespect to the other bands. All amazing releases, but I just felt like I sort of got a glimpse of the message you know, a couple of weeks before, because Tim sent me the demo before it had actually been released, and he told me not to play it till after the 20th of October, which is fair enough. And because I had a bit of a insight into it, I was sort of thinking, yeah, I'm really digging this track. And it was a song I didn't just listen to once. It was sort of three or four times on Friday in succession sort of thing. Oh, mate, thank you so much for those kind words because, yeah, look, at the end of the day, we just, you know, want to write music that, you know, people enjoy and, you know, can be repeat listened to. So, yeah, really appreciate, you, you know, your kind words on that. So, yeah, um, we just, you know, we, we just tried our best um, to put our best foot forward and, you know, really try and appreciate everyone's time. If someone's tuning in, we definitely want to put the work in um, mm. to make sure that, yeah, we've uh, we've, you know, produced something that's, you know, quality enough that we can put out there and be, you know, really, really proud of. And, yeah, just hope people uh, hope people enjoy it. Mm. And one stream is like a million streams to bands and artists. I think a lot of people don't realise just someone taking five minutes out of their schedule to have a listen is worth its weight in gold, really, for the bands and artists that put their... Hard work into releasing music, obviously. Yeah, 100%. And, like, you know, I think us as musicians has also got to appreciate the listener's time as, you know, if we're putting something up there and putting it out there that, you know, if we want people to listen, we've got to, you know, A, you know, um, have we earned the right to actually release it? Have we done the work? Um, and B, you know, are you guys going to push it, you know, so we can hopefully, you know, get people to enjoy it because there's nothing, you know, People don't need to listen to your music. Um, they've got so many other different tunes and tracks and other different uh, things that they can be doing with their time. The fact that someone's actually taken that time to listen to your song, like, yeah, you should really be putting the work in to make sure that, yeah, you really appreciate their time. Mm-hmm. But you guys, like, not just recording music, like I've seen how many gigs you've done in the last three or four months, and it's a crazy amount. I mean, you did a nightmare on Groat Street on Friday night, which looked like a lot of fun as well. Yeah, I, I uh, unfortunately, I didn't play that one. Uh, oh, bugger. <laughs> I know. I was so sick. I think it's the first show ever 
Um, actually, no, I lie. There was once when I was in my old band, um, what you call it, uh, Anola's Secret, that I wasn't able to play a gig. Um, but yeah, I was so unwell. I wasn't able to play our um, CD launch, so I was absolutely gutted and devoted um, because, yeah, um, Realm of Thrones who put on the show for us um, and got, you know, some fantastic bands and it was an amazing lineup. Looked like it was an absolutely pumping night and, yeah, I wasn't able to wasn't able to be there. But um, the guys did, you know, absolutely phenomenal and, yeah, I'll be lucky to still have a spot, I guess. Oh, that's just it's one of those nights you just wish you know can you push through and you know how sick are you but then you think no you don't want to um not um disappoint the fans but um like if you're not a hundred percent it's probably better that you get better and sort of um there will always be a next time obviously but yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, it was uh, it was probably one of the hardest decisions I'd really had to make into actually saying that you know guys I you know can't because you know one of the biggest things is you don't want to let your mates down, um, yeah. and yeah, it was uh, one of the hard things to you know you know say to the guys like I there's no way I can actually do this because yeah, yeah I was wrestling with it and you're just thinking oh you know am I what you call it, am I good enough can I get up on for this one what can I do to get there and yeah it just uh, ended up not being the case. Mm. And I mean, the talent that um, was on that lineup, and some of the South Australia's finest, and there's a lot of them at the moment, actually. Mm. Um, like, yeah, Storm the Crown and High Ground and Sons of Erebus. I mean, all those three. Then you throw on Abriact, those left behind, and Greedy Bunch of Parasites. That's a pretty kick ass lineup when you look at it. I know, I, you know, as a as a fan of um, Adelaide local music, it's definitely a, a lineup that I'd want to see. So yeah, it was a it was a fantastic lineup. Mm. And of course, those left behind for those that don't know actually were in Victoria. When was that? Was that August? I think it was. I think it was. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Uh, was back in August. Well, kind of. We were in Mildura, and then we played um, a whole lot of Love Bar. So it was. Uh, wasn't a short journey down um, to uh, what you call it uh, to Melbourne to play that one, but yeah, we played uh, you know, up at Mildura on the Friday night, and then whole lot of love on Saturday, and yeah, that was uh, that was a fun little uh, little road trip. Yeah, and Sam was pissed off that he had to work both nights. <laughs> I don't know how would have got to Mildura, but I was annoyed that I was working the Saturday night because Priorities and Ransom Review were playing with you guys on the Saturday night, and best mates with both bands. I was just like, that's a kick-ass light-up. And then my work roster, Saturday night. I'm like, really? Hmm. Come on, give me a Saturday night off. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always a bit of a stitch-up when those types of things happen. Mm. And hospitality. I was thinking, hopefully there's only like 25 people booked in for dinner and I looked at the numbers. It's like 110. I'm like, yeah, I ain't getting cancelled here. <laughs> Uh, oh well next next time we'll make sure that you can uh you know we'll uh, we'll make sure you can get to uh get to a show next time we're over there mm, well maybe i should do a road trip and come to south australia oh you can't be coming down for frost and fury or i was tempted to go but then um yeah it's um money's not uh, i was looking at how much it was gonna cost them just like I love all those bands. Like, I really want to see 
sunk lotto and suicidal tendencies. I'm just like, oh, and I've got to get time off work. It's just like, maybe not. Mm, that new sunk lotto track that they just dropped is an absolute banger. Yeah, the gallows way. Yes. It's, they are insane. And I we were saying how quickly 2023 has gone. How insane is it that it's 20 years since Between Birth and Death has been released? I know, right? I was just thinking about that because I was... Oh, I remember that transition from... Uh, was it Big Picture Lies? And yep. they played... I'm pretty sure it was the Warp Tour here in Adelaide at War Memorial Drive. And I, I, I've been a big fan of Sunk Lotus and Society Anxiety. Um, and yeah, when they bust and they were playing some songs off of, um, yeah, um, that album. And I was like, what is going on here? This is, this is insane. Like, I can't believe how heavy this is. I can't believe how tight they were playing. It just absolutely blew my mind. And when they dropped that album, I was just like, damn, these guys are, these guys are definitely, uh, what you call it, found something and found a really cool formula that I was digging. And yeah, then they broke up. Mm. and then returned in 2023 and then I looked at the thing. I was just like, oh, awesome. They're doing a 20-year anniversary of Between Birth and Death. And then I looked at one of the nights. I'm like, oh, Ocean Sleeper and Sunk Lotto. I'm like, sick. And then I realised I've got another gig on that night already. Oh. It's like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's a big stitch up. Yeah. <laughs> Cruelty. It's just cruel, really. Oh. <laughs> me, and one of, me and one of my best mates, we, we were all about uh, Vinegar Stroke when that first dropped. It was just like, wow, man. Um, and Lift, oh, my goodness. Those uh, those tracks were just absolutely phenomenal. Like When they uh, what you call it, got dropped on that EP, it was just so good. See, this might sound a bit strange to people, but my actual favourite Sunk Lotto song is actually Sunken Eyes, which might surprise some people because compared to like Vinegar Stroke, Lift, Make You Feel, Burning Bridges, it's sort of not as well known as the other four songs, but I just feel like Sunken Eyes was the one I heard on Triple J Metal Racket maybe, and that's where I first really started to get into into Sunk Lotto. Mate, that song Sunken Eyes, when that got dropped, that was absolutely, that just blew the house downtown. That was just something different. Like the melody, how it just came in, it was just, oh, I absolutely love that song. That, uh, that use of the Digitech whammy of there, yeah. that was just absolutely amazing. Like oh, I, was a, I was a massive fan of that song. That was just so mm. good. No, one of my favourite bands, Sunk Lotto. Um, I'm not going to um, break news at all, but um, just a little bit of a snippet that possibly, nothing's been confirmed yet, but I could be at some stage down the track chatting to Jason from Sunk Lotto on a podcast interview. Nothing's been set in stone, but the wheels are in motion, as they say. Mate, Jason is a golden god in my eyes. He is uh like yeah, like I loved him when I was just growing up as a kid, just his vocals and his like I remember oh, I can't remember the name of um the venue that they were playing at, but they were playing with an old Adelaide band called the Test Eagles. 
Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and he and he wouldn't face the crowd. He always had his back to the crowd. Um, and then yeah, seeing him later on, just like just being a watch call it's a you know a full rock star like actually up there and starting to command the crown and yeah some of the videos and everything that have come out of uh, a few of the um sets that they've played now it's just yeah just uh i've, I've always rated him as a singer and as a front man mm, no they're they're an amazing band i still haven't seen them live but i think they're just gonna blow the roof off at froth and fury and that is one stacked lineup you get butterfly effect as well red hook mirrors Wind Waker, Ocean Sleeper, it's huge. Yeah, it's going to be uh, what's called. It's going to be an awesome, uh, awesome day slash night. I I live down the port, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an absolute uh, an absolute blast again. So the rhetorical question is that you are going, Brendan? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's a stupid question. One hundred percent. Uh, who are you most looking forward to seeing? Oh, sunk. That was sunk. like like when that got released. I'm like, shut up and take my money. That yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. That was, I, I I would pay that money just to see them. Like I, I'm just an Uber fan. Yeah. Oh, as much as I'd love to talk about Sunk Lotto <laughs> for the next <laughs> hour, and the Sunk Lotto <laughs> Appreciation <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> They're going to probably pay me. They'll be saying, oh, your check's in the mail, Sam, for mentioning <laughs> us for 10 minutes of your hour and a half interview. <laughs> <laughs> we probably actually should get back to the modern yeah. and also back to Brendan and the band he's in that is those left behind. So, well, Brendan would probably know anyway because he did an interview in December last year. But like the other one, I'll just ask a few questions. I'll try not to ask the questions I asked last time. So I'm throwing in three or four brand new questions. And um, at the end of the podcast interview, the wheel, the tables get turned. So Brendan asks Sam the hard-hitting questions. Hmm. So Sounds good, mate. Fire away. Yep. And also, I might also mention both part one and part two in breaking news will be both uploaded straight after this interview because I've got part two done. So about 10.30 probably, depending how long Spotify wants to drag it out for it to be uploaded. But let's not bag Spotify out here. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's not. All right. Well, the first question is, what has the band, Those Left Behind, been up to since we last spoke? Um, yeah, so I think from the last time we spoke, um, myself and Wade hadn't, you know, really been in the band for all that long period of time. And, you know, we were just trying to get up to speed uh, with, like, learning the set and, you um, just trying to, you know, find our way live and just, you know, when uh, when two new members come into a band, um, there's always trying to figure out your feet and how everything works, um, especially with um, myself and Wade is, you know, him and me have been playing, um, you know, been a rhythm section or what we like to call the sled dogs. Um, so what you call it? So our little uh, stage, uh, what you call it? Uh, stage left crew. Um, yeah, we call ourselves a sled dog, so keep things heavy, keep things nice and tight, and just pull some weight. And like that's always been like our sort of like philosophy and a bit of mantra, especially like because him and me have been playing in bands since we we're probably about 16, 17 years old. 
um, and also a little bit about an idea about having a good solid rhythm section um, to keep things like in songwriting nice and tight and heavy. So um, trying to find our way, uh, you know, sinking, um, sinking into the band and then, you know, trying to put our own little flavor on things as well and going back over, um, you know, writing the message. So with the message, originally what we did was is I think it was uh, February, March this year, we went in and we recorded uh, three, song, uh, three songs on drums. So one of them was our previous release, Mark My Words. We had this um, other song called Justice and then we had um, The Message. Now, originally, the message wasn't going to be a, uh, a single. It was supposed to be a B-side um, because originally the guys didn't really think it was uh, that strong of a song. Uh, me and Wade absolutely loved it. We were like, this is, you know, this is one of your best and we put a bit of time into this. Like, we can really make this one shine. Um, and we went in, we did the pre-production, you know, um, Mark My Words got released and then we had Justice and The Message. And, um, yeah, we started, you know, working on uh, The Message and, yeah, we just we just really, really loved it. And I spent some time and we're like, no, this needs to be a single, this needs to be a lead track, this is a great song. So, yeah, Timmy uh, came in, did his vocals, and then he was like, nah, I want to rework and I want to redo a lot of the vocals on this. So like, ah, cool, cool. let's, you know, let's let's work through this. So Tim worked through the vocals essentially like almost rewrote the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, from that particular point, we then took it to studio. We recorded with um, Jack Hartley. So uh, I've worked with Jack for a long period of time. I used to be in a band with him called Anola Secret back in the day. Tim's recorded with Jack um, quite a long period, like I think a lot of, Pretty much all the things Tim's ever recorded has been with Jack as well. Um, so he knows Tim, knows him really, really well. We sent uh, Jack through the pre-production. He's worked with us for such a long period of now. He's like brutally honest and we just asked for his beautiful honor, um, brutal honesty. And he really, um, you know, we were like, you know, we want you to help us, you know, produce this. Um, and, yeah, Jack just, you know, as an audio engineer, just knocks it out of the park. And then as a um, producer, just absolutely just killed it. And there was just such a good uh, working dynamic between him and Tim. Um, and yeah, we were just so super stoked with the way that the vocals turned out. And in short, yeah, the other song justice that we had, um, we ended up leaving on the cutting room floor because we just didn't think it was strong enough. Um, and we've now just gone through like the process of, you know, writing new material. And that's essentially what we've been doing. We've been like, well, I think we've only got one more, unless something, you know, big comes up or something comes up. We've only got one more show left for the rest of the year. And we really, really want to focus on, you know, um, stepping up our game in regards to, you know, our songwriting process. And then also stepping up our game into how many songs we release in a year. So we've been discussing how we can do it a little bit more efficiently, how we can do it so it's a little bit more, you know, the songs that we're writing, we're able to, you know, write, produce, record um, and work on and then release in a relatively like, you know, reasonable time period. So the songs that we're releasing um, are our latest and best material. So I think everyone who's been in a band like, you get to a point where, you know, by the time you've released a song, you've already heard it for about a year, almost 18 months. So we're just trying to figure out a new and a different way to actually now, you know, 
write something, write a song that we're really, um, you know, excited about and then try and release it and then try and release, you know, new music uh, a lot more regularly than what we have in the past. So, yeah, a lot of um, what we've been doing is, yeah, focusing on songwriting, focusing on recording, how we're going to do that and how logistically we're just going to be able to, you know, pump out new music. So that's what we've really been focusing on at the moment is, um, yeah, essentially like pumping out new music because we're just really, really happy. Like I think we've probably got about, you know, four or so new songs in the set at the moment. Um, we're getting a really, really good response when we play those songs live. So, yeah, we're just, you know, we're we're just keen to write and release new music now and that's what uh, we've been busy with. That sounds like a lot of planning and stuff going into, what, nearly 10 months since we last spoke, nearly 11 months actually. That's a lot of input really, which is good to see. Yeah, I mean, well, before uh, myself and Wade were in the band, him and me were just like writing tracks ourselves. So <laughs> we were sled dogs about a sled. We didn't have a band to, you know, put our uh, put our tracks to. So it's good now that, you know, we've got Kai, who's, you know, a fantastic guitarist and an awesome writer in his own right. Um, and we're all just like working really, really well together. Glenn is like one of the best drummers I've ever worked with and his the beats he comes up with are just absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, as for a rhythm section, it just makes our job, you know, really, really easy um, to be able to just chug along with some just, you know, wild beats that he's throwing down. And, yeah, Tim's um, just able to come in with his vocals and doing what Tim does um, and, yeah, just trying to, you know, really put out our best music and then also not being afraid to, you know, ditch music if we don't think it's up to standard. Mm. And I think if everyone's on the same level, like if some people say, oh, this works, but this song we have in the works doesn't work, I think as long as everyone gets their say and uh, an opinion, I think um, that's how bands, uh, you know, stick together and work well together. You see it with all the big-name bands here in Australia and around the world. Yeah, 100%. And look, that's that's the thing is like, especially with the band and with the writing process is like some of the biggest things is um, being able to essentially write songs together. Because I mean, a lot of bands can learn a bunch of songs and just play together. That's, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's a very easy part about being in a band. Um, the writing process is probably one of the most difficult, um, like things you can possibly do as a musician. Um, because essentially you're just putting out there, you know, and potential for rejection. And look, you know, some bands, you know, may have it that where, you know, one person writes absolutely everything and says, hey, here's a song, play it how it is, and that's how it is. Um, that's how I want it to be performed. Um, those left behind, you've got, you know, everyone who's actually contributing and collabor um, collaborating um, to be able to, like, put together. And, like, you know, you know, Tim chimes in on, you know, the way the breakdown should go. You know, we, uh, what do you call it, we, you know, work with Tim on, you know, lyrics and melody as well. So everyone's, like, you know, working together to try and, you know, put together the best possible um, thing that we can put out there. And it comes back down to, you know, what I was talking about before was uh, appreciating people's time is that, you know, put the work in and trust the process and then, yeah, hope people like it. Mm. And I think, you know, it's not like a lot of people say, oh, it's all about, you know, being the best band or having the best music out there. But in a way, it is a competition. But I think all the bands out there 
are sort of wanting to, you know, be successful. But also, if you're in a band, helping out other bands that are up and coming as well and sort of being just approachable and doing all that with other bands, because if you're a dickhead, pun the language, you will be found out in the music scene. So, Yeah, and I think that's... um... It, it, it's pretty cool with like, you know, the Adelaide music scene at this particular point is like, you know, a lot of the bands that, you know, I, I really rate is they're just absolutely great blokes as well. And, you know, I think with musicians is some of the, some of the funnest things to do with musicians is to talk shop. And I, I, I love talking shop about, you know, um, the writing process, you know, equipment and also just general philosophies just in regards to, you know, songwriting and what you actually want to, you know, achieve out of it and the way that you do it. So, um, you know, Storm the Crown guys, you know, we're really, really good mates with them. And, yeah, they're just so open with, you know, they say, you know, this is the way we do our songwriting. This is the way that we, you know, uh, what you call it, we write our music. This is the way we send it through to each other. And so they've got, like, their process and, you know, you're like, I wonder if, like, we can, you know, take little parts of that or I wonder if that would work in our particular group. But, yeah, look, so bands are just so different and the dynamic is just so different. And a lot of the time it's like trying to find out what works for your particular group. And because, mm. yeah, with songwriting, you, you know, you're quite vulnerable. You're, you know, you're putting yourself out there for rejection. Um, and, yeah, the biggest thing about that is just keep writing, keep writing, keep writing because, look, you know, if uh, if you write 30 songs and, you know, 10 of them get, like, you know, rejected, well, you still got 20 songs where if you write, like, you know, one or two um, and one of them gets rejected, you probably feel that a little bit more. So, yeah, I, I, I just really love the process and it's just that, you know, just keep writing, keep writing and keep working at it um, because, yeah, look, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, I don't have the answer, never written a smash hit song, probably will, you know, well, we'll never write a smash hit song and, you know, you're only as good as the people that you work with. So, you know, you really, really do rely on other people to help you with your songwriting process. Well, for for us, that's what, you know, that's what we're about. Um, like I said, there's some bands where they just got that, you know, savant genius who can just sit there and just write a smash hit and just write these absolute banger songs and send them out to people. They learn it and they play it. And like, that's, that's awesome. And like, you know, a lot of bands, you know, get really, really good results and produce fantastic music that way as well. So yeah, there's no, uh, there's no one-stop solution. Is there? No. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you could, you know, write 20 songs out on a piece of paper and write out all the lyrics and the recording and all that and hope it's a smash hit. But then sometimes, you know, you could write 30 songs and it's just 10 songs get rejected. But as Brendan said, there's still 20 in a 30. So that's more than two thirds that could be smash hits. Yeah, and look, you know, songs aren't always, you know, because, I mean, yeah, look, if, even if you ditch a song, doesn't mean that yeah, every single part of that song is going to be, you know, ditched. You can, you know, go back into, you know, the well every now and again and say, well, that was a pretty cool verse or that's a nice little pre-chorus or, you know, I liked where that was going but it fell flat here or that might fit there. So you just have this, like, you know, smorgasbord of riffs that you're just putting out there 
and you're just listening to because yeah some of the times you'll even listen back to like some songs and you're like oh what was i thinking or even like looking back at your original drafts of some of the songs that have now like you know made it to what you're playing live and you're like oh wow i wonder what this you know this song is and you're like oh okay that sounds pretty cool and like oh wow this is this song sounds so different now to where i like originally got rather than hey guys this is you know the song how i see it and not giving it the opportunity to actually like morph into something that you know everyone is you know happy with or you know accepts and i find that even in podcasting like a lot of people like a couple of mates have started up a podcast and they said how like really bad at times they sounded i'm just like it takes practice and I think they're the harshest critic of themselves because what they think is stuffing up, only they would think is. Like if people were listening to it, they'd probably say, oh, nah, there's nothing wrong with this. So it's like with bands saying, oh, I don't think it was our best set or our best single. It's better than what I could do, definitely. Oh, and that's and that's the thing is like so I'm 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 a big advocate for self reflection and you like looking because you're always going to be you know chasing perfection, um, but then again there's always you know celebrating those you know little wins and not being you know an absolute dick because I mean you are working in a group and you don't want to be that negative guy who you know if everyone else is enjoying the show and you know someone like you know stuffed up a little bit something somewhere. Um, yeah, as long as you're entertaining people and people are enjoying themselves, isn't that the main thing? I mean, yeah, look, always, you know, strive to be as tight as, you know, you possibly can. But all right, you, you got to enjoy yourself and you've got to entertain. Mm, very important because if you're not entertaining, the crowd will go, oh, why did I bother coming sort of thing? Like it's like when people say it's as important playing to five people than it is to 200 people because those five people you've got to keep entertained to stay and watch the show when it's 200 people it's not as noticeable yeah exactly right and also what happens if those five people what happens if that that's your next biggest fan like you know give them give them the show and you know once again appreciate the time they chose to turn up they could be doing everything like they're not sitting there scrolling on their phone they're not sitting there um or that and they turned up they paid their hard-earned money they could have chosen to spend that so yeah even if there's five people there you know as a musician you should be putting on a, a show for them and you just uh, like it could be your biggest fan but also you don't know what power that those five people have. They might be a PR person. They could be for a music magazine. They could be a podcast or a radio show host. You just don't know when what that could become if those five people were any of the things I just mentioned there. Because if they're writing for a music magazine and people pick up this magazine and say, those left behind were awesome, at this last gig, then you all of a sudden you'll have 30, 40 new fans who read that magazine. Yeah, and look, you know, it comes, it comes back down to, you know, you should enjoy the music you play. So you should actually be up there enjoying. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's rough obviously having, you know, full-time jobs, you know, having a hard week at work and then going up there and, you know, 
uh, performing. Um, yeah, sometimes you can feel like, you know, a bit flat, but man, when you get up there, like the hardest part is sometimes if you're having like a rough week is to get to the show, but when you're actually there and when you're actually on stage, you don't want it to end. Um, and yeah, look, at the end of the day, that person might be having a rough day themselves and look, if, you know, if, if they like what you're doing and it, you know, cheers them up, well, far out, man, like that's freaking awesome, man. You did, you did something pretty cool. So yeah, it's, it's not, uh. It's not always what you can get from someone else. It's what you can give. And I think that's what, you know, a bit of a bit of honesty in music. Um, I think that's what people, you know, genuine, genuine musicians. I think that's what people really, really appreciate. Mm. That's what I appreciate when I see a band. And I think also like at times, like I've heard some people say, I won't say who they are and that, but like they're always worried you know, should they approach a band after a set, tell them what they thought or not? And I've just said, and they've said, why do you do it so easy? And I'm just like, well, they're not going to tell me to fuck off, are they? <laughs> like no band in Australia would do that mm. if they weren't fans, obviously. Well, uh, like uh, it, it's it's actually interesting because yeah, I get uh, I get made fun of um, quite a fair bit because I'm unbelievably socially awkward when I'm not on stage. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's if someone comes up, you know, to uh, what you call it to me after a show, like I'm 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 more than happy to chat and chat their ear off um, because yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I love talking shop, I love talking music. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a, quite a socially awkward person generally. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, uh, I don't mind it if people come walking up to me and having a chat because I do love talking about it. And if you do go up to beds, um, make sure you go up to the bed and talk, say hello to the member with the right name, unlike Sam, who, which can easily be done. There's a band out of, Melbourne called Dead Weight 80 that have mm. twin brothers in the band. Sam went up to Reese and said hello, Julian, who mm. is Reese's twin brother. And Julian Reese is like, I'm Julian. I'm like, you're an idiot, Sam. Mm. <laughs> now I'm sure that has happened to a lot of other people that know Dead Weight 80, but mm. <laughs> oh, see if that was me, I'm such a bad bloke, is like if that was me and Tim and we were twins. Um, and someone came up and was like, called me Tim. I'd be like, yeah, and I'd act like a complete jerk. So that means everyone would be going, oh, man, that Tim's a real jerk. (laughs) 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 Obviously, for those that don't know, Tim and Brendan are actually brothers in those local hides. I think we've mentioned (laughs) it probably 20 times over the journey. So... Uh, We won't go into what Tim said on the podcast interview I did with him. I said, oh, I interviewed your brother uh, last year. He's like, oh, poor you. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Tim. That's (laughs) really thrown me up the path. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, he's good value. Yeah, no. There seems to be a common theme here in Australia at the moment, brothers in bands. And there's quite a few actually with two or three or more than three in the band that are brothers. So I guess family is music. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, yeah, I'd never thought, of, you know, when I was in my earlier years, me and Tim would be in a 
in a band together. I mean, we did always used to jam when we were growing up. Um, you know, there was always a drum kit in the house and some guitars and everything like that. So him and me used to jam, you know, when we were uh, when we were growing up. And um, yeah, he uh, what's called he started all his bands, and all I ever wanted to do was start a band as well. So yeah, I was uh, I was I'm two years younger than him, so I was never uh, cool enough to be in his bands when I was uh, growing up. So, um, but uh, we, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, uh, later on in life, um, the opportunity came to play for guitar for those left behind. Uh, well, it was actually bass. I started off on bass with those left behind because, um, yeah, the bass player left and I was like, oh, I'll give it a crack. And yeah, now here we are. And yeah, it's worked well, obviously, because, um, you know, those left behind are uh, making music and playing gigs around, you know, Australia with some pretty good up and coming bands as well. I see. Yeah, I just feel sorry for the other guys. Uh, what do you call it? Um, in the band because me and Tim can be quite uh quite interesting personalities, and now there's two of us. So <laughs> double trouble, isn't that what you're saying, Brendan? Uh, we call it. Uh, you got Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So when me and Tim, when me and Tim gang up on someone, they get bishoped. <laughs> so instead of you got punked, it's you got bishoped. That's it. <laughs> All right, I like that. That's the new hashtag. Not <laughs> hashtag shit happens or anything like that. It's you got bishoped by uh, Tim and Brendan. That's that's it. That's it. All right. Even though it's only been out four days what has the overall response been like for the message um yeah it's uh what you call it um uh, i think it's been good um yeah it's people i guess seem to like it you just you just never know do you um like um yeah, i guess if i played the uh you know single launch i'd probably have a better idea but um yeah it's um from what i from what i hear is yeah there's been some really good response really really good feedback from it um yeah like i said we've been listening to it for about a year now um so we just wanted to get it out and um yeah we also uh we also shot a film clip with it um, that should be getting released in the next couple of uh, what you call it a uh, couple of weeks or so. So, Sean at um, Three Six Shotter um, filmed that one for us. He's an absolute guru. Does heaps of our live shots. We just absolutely love um, Sean. He just yeah, he's you know, I think you know with photography, it's it's pretty hard to you know, um, you know, rate or say that someone's the best. Um, I personally really like Sean's style because he does a really, really good job at capturing candid shots. And I think that's, you know, as, as a fan, like, I mean, you, you can get those photos of um, someone just looking like, you know, an absolute golden God and a rock star. But, you know, those, he just has this, you know, unbelievable talent of being able to capture someone's personality in a photo. And I think it's just, yeah, it's just amazing to see. And, like, I see him shoot so many bands around, uh, what do you call it, around Australia, and he just has this amazing ability just to be able to capture, like, little moments in time, little candid shots. And it's one of those times where you look at a photo and you can almost, like, kind of know the individual without ever meeting them. I just, yeah, I just I just really rate his work. Mm. 
And I think it's very important photography in live music because you want to get the perfect shot and, you know, whether that's, you know, 20, 30 photos of the one band in the one night or even if you had 10 photos you did, if 10 of them turned out to be really good, I think it's very important to capture the moment of the set or the night, as you said. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, like, you know, it's it's hard, like... um. Yeah, I, I love I love sports, and I'm, I'm a massive uh, you know there's you know I'm a massive sports fan. I'm a massive cricket and football fan, um, and yeah, some of the best photos are just those like candid ones that you just see um, of like not necessarily the guys looking like you know genetic freaks and just um, absolute athletes, but it's the way they interact with each other. Like they're the ones that you really like, especially like the Australian cricket team or like your favorite football team. It's not, uh, it's not them. I mean, you can always appreciate the athleticism of someone taking a hanger, but like the cheeky ones of the smiles and like when they're getting into each other's ears, just that sort of personality. Um, yeah, they're just they're, they're my favorite things to see. Mm. And yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. We won't talk about my footy team. Uh, they're not doing. They've had a horrible three years, probably at oh. least. <laughs> who's your Who's your team? North Melbourne. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah. You've You've pretty much got the entire uh, what do you call it? Uh, top ten draft up your sleeve at the moment. So hopefully you yeah. get some talent in there. Better do something with it though. I mean, three um, years and. Two of the three being bottom two, it's just yeah, it's appalling. But Clarkson, like he's he's probably the best coach of this era. But if you don't have the talent, it doesn't matter whether it's Kevin Sheedy, Lee Matthews, Alistair Clarkson, you're not going to win flags if the list isn't decent. Yeah, but uh, I rate Clarko. I think he's probably one of the best. Yeah, the best coach of the modern era. And you know, if he builds a culture around that, and it's not just getting the talent in through the door, it's also retaining the talent because um, the best talented kids are going to get offers from absolutely everywhere else. So you got to build a culture of where, uh, yeah, you actually can actually maintain and foster, and you know, retain talent. Hmm. Uh, who do you, oh, well, that's probably a silly question. Being in Adelaide, I guess you're either Port Adelaide or Adelaide, so yeah, yeah. I'm uh, what do you call it? Um, I'm the Adelaide Crows, but I worked for Port Adelaide. Oh, that's yeah, so yeah, I uh, what do you call it? Um, I worked for Port Adelaide, so I, you know, I uh. The, the actual the current team um you've got a, I've got a very uh, soft spot for them yeah um, because yeah you you worked with the guys um but uh, yeah my uh, my my heart is definitely a uh, crows uh, crows fan ah okay but I do love watching the uh what's call it the current port team uh, play because I just think that it's most exciting and some of the best people like I've ever met are in that team. Some absolute talent in Port Adelaide, Butters and um, what's his name, Rosie. You've got yeah, Wines. There's a whole heap of guns in there, young guns as well. Yeah, absolutely. Even TJ was a he was an absolute legend. Um, you know, uh, Lysette retired now, like an absolute legend. But yeah, even um, you guys like Lordy as well. Um, all those kids coming up, they were just absolutely yeah, absolutely phenomenal people. Jed McEntee. Um, here from uh, Sturt, 
like um, I worked with him when he was out at Sturt as well. So got a lot of time for uh, those kids. Yep. And obviously, as much as I hate to say this, Horn Francis, obviously, at Port Adelaide now. Yeah, I was uh, I was lucky enough to see him during his uh, under uh, what's called under eighteen year come out and do work placement when he was out at South Adelaide, and just saw yeah. him absolutely tear apart the midfield on his uh what's called on his draft year, and I was like, wow, if they uh, if they get him back, he's going to be something special. Mm. And he will be. Yes, it's, I knew he was going to go. Like I just knew it from like the end of first season at North. I just knew he was going to go home. Like, you could say it. Yeah, your boys really went hard at him over those ice baths. Yeah. <laughs> now, just interesting. This is going back a long, probably not a long time ago, but about five, ten years at least. Uh, Port Adelaide actually had a Gippy boy playing for them. Uh, oh, actually, no. John Butcher, I believe, was from <laughs> Sale originally. Yeah. Butcher, no way. <laughs> and then a few years before that, Jason Davenport was from Allen Bank. So part of a bit of a history of Gippsland footballers, like they haven't done big things, but they've played a few AFL games over their career. So oh, Butcher was the highest uh, paid SA NFL player for a long period of time. <laughs> Uh, I think it was Sale or Hayfield, somewhere down East Gippsland way. I've probably yeah. got the towns wrong, but <laughs> and I actually went to school with Jason Davenport, but he was the year above me in high school. So, yeah, oh, nice, nice bit of talent coming out there. Yes, not just music, footballers mm. as well. <laughs> anyway, again, we've gone off topic. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Back to those left behind. Uh, the other, well, this isn't really a those left behind question, but it's an industry question. If you could change one thing in the music industry, what would it be? Oh, that's a, I don't, I don't, I don't really know because I think it's a double edged sword, right? Um, so, you know. When um, when I was younger and when I was in my twenties, it was you know, I wish that you had more access to be able to record decent quality music, so you could flush out ideas and like you would have to spend so much money to like get uh, get into the studio and be able to release something of um, you know release you know of quality um, that sonically sounded good. So. You would spend so much time writing, rehearsing, and making sure that the songs that you were going to go into the studio because it costs so much money were, um, were you know, were as close to you know the your best as what you possibly could. And when I was younger, now at the moment, it's so easy to have an audio interface, pull up a VST, an Easy Drummer, and some MIDI drum packs, and your demos now sound almost as good as what we were releasing back in you know, 2005, 2007. Um, but then, like, it comes back down to just because you can release it, should you? Like, have you done the work? Um, it does give you the ability to be able to jam along um, to music and write music and, you know, record it and be better at recording and hearing it back. So, yeah, you probably are becoming a bit better of a musician um, that way. But then, yeah, you... 
that whole thing about, you know, movement of air and being in a like band room and rocking out and putting on a performance. Yeah. I'd, I don't really know. I'd like to say that like, you know, I would like to, you know, see things to go, uh, what you call it, you know, back to the way it was, you know, I'm sounding like a real old guy, like, um, <laughs> um, you know, back to the basic of music and like even the way that, um, we release music and what we look at. Cause I mean, me and Tim had an argument just in regards to about, you know, with next year, what are we going to do? Are we going to release an EP? Or are we going to be releasing singles? And, um, I wanted to release an EP and, um, Tim was, you know, thinking you know, the way that we, you know, the way people do things are single, single, singles. And I'm like, nah, that's, you know, when, when you release an EP, you go in, you write, you know, five eight ten tracks and you pick your best four or five and there's something so powerful about a group of people getting together and committing themselves to a project and seeing it through to the end and i think that you know there was almost a rite of passage back in the way uh, back in the day about doing that because the bands who could actually go through the rigor of being actually being able to release because it was hard to release EPs back then because you'd have to get studio time. You'd have to, you know, make sure that you've got everything down track. And like, it was a hard process, you know, for a band to actually everyone to commit to do it. Um, but now it's, yeah, it's, well, if you're just releasing singles, um, you don't necessarily need to do that. On the flip side of that, like I was, oh, sorry, well, like I was saying before is like, those songs that you're releasing, you've been playing for 12 months. So they're not necessarily where your band is at right now. Now with the, if you were releasing singles, uh, singles and you do things a certain way, you can now probably release your most up-to-date music. So yeah, I, I don't know what I'd, you know, I'd really change. I guess I don't know enough about the music industry to really comment on that. And yeah. I think that's yeah. Sorry not to really answer your question there, and no, like right. gone a bit of a tangent, but yeah, I don't don't really know to be fair. It is a difficult question, and believe me, Brendan, you're not the first musician or band to actually struggle on that question because it is a tough one because there's so many answers that could be given that have been said all the time. You know, better pay for musicians and bands, um, obviously. You know, um, more regional shows is another one. So, like, instead of the Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane sort of going out to regional parts of Australia. Um, but I think, and I thought we could go a whole interview without mentioning this word that has dominated headlines the last three years. I think what, since that C word has gone, thank God, um, I think what we've seemed to figure out now is that um, how are we going to get the music scene back to what it was pre-COVID? Mm. Because um, a lot of people had fear of going out and going to places because they didn't want to catch the disease and all that. I still feel like what I would change in the music scene would be that um, – to get people more motivated to come out to live shows and not have that fear. Mm. It comes back down to the artist though, doesn't it? Like you've got to be getting up there and doing something that people want to. 
Mm. Like you, you have to perform, you have to entertain. And like you were talking about before, if like, you know, you've just got, if there's five people there and that, uh, what you call it, um, and you don't put on a performance and those five people aren't entertained, well, those five people come to your next show with the other five people and then come mm. to your next show with the other five people and then they come to the next pe- and you and you are consistent in what you actually do then yeah you you would probably see a lot more growth and i think it comes back down a lot of the ownership onto the artist is like well more pay look at the end of the day you know the market will pay what they you know think that it's worth um you know it it'd be great if like yeah we could just but where that where is that money coming from is it going to come from higher ticket sales that money has to come from somewhere um mm. like the markets will pay what it's willing you know what it's worth um, you know, what are you doing to, um, get people to shows? How are you making more entertained? Are you actually, yeah, are you even like, um, promoting your shows? Mm. What do you, what, what, what is, what is it? And also, and, and this is something that we have a conversation with, with the band all the time. It's like, well, okay, well, if someone's coming to see you and they're coming to consistently see you, what's the incentive for them to see you? So because are they just going to go see you play the exact same set five times? How like how interesting is that really? Like that's not really. So I mean, uh, what is it? Are you going to like, you know, and like you know, my answer is new music, mm. and right new music. So people have to have incentive um, to come and see you. So it's like, well, what is it? The fact that you're going to be releasing something new and you're going to be playing something new, because yeah, look, um, and and this is the conversation we've had internally. Um, we're like, well, you know, what, you know, as a band, what do we, you know, what do we, you know, hold up on? Like, yeah, that's why we're, you know, looking to, you know, write new music and, you know, really look to get new music out. And, you know, live shows are a great way of beta testing your music as well. Cause I mean, you can think that it's absolutely awesome. Um, far out if people think you suck, <laughs> you can't just stand there and be like, no, nah, man, this song's great. Like, um, you know, and if people don't like it, they simply just don't like it. And I'm not saying that, you know, you write your music for the fans, but look, at the end of the day, like, and, and this comes back down to working in a group as well, is like, you know, if you're the only person that thinks your song is good and then the four other guys in the band think that it sucks, well, then you probably should listen to them because if four other people think that they suck, why do you think anyone else would think that it's an absolute smash hit? That's a very valid point, actually. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it comes, yeah, it comes back down to, you know, working in a group dynamic and listening to other people's feedback and, yeah, you, you know, eating, you know, eating your humble pie sometimes and just because you think it's rad, you know, if everyone else thinks it sucks, it, it probably sucks. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, if that, like, four of the five people do say it sucks and then the one person thinks it could be a smash shit and someone else goes and does it. Like, I'm not saying cover it or um, records it, but, you know, I mean, you see it in music from all eras that, um, you know, a song's been written by someone and then someone else actually releases it and you think, shit, that song could have been that other person's biggest hit. 
Mate, I would be flattered if someone was, had, uh, what do you call it, uh, <laughs> thought my songs were that good that they'd want to steal them. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a pretty, uh, what do you call it, I'd be pretty happy to be fair if someone turned around and said that and just be like, wow, someone actually thought this song was good enough to steal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sick. I don't think I've worded it that. <laughs> no, I, I, I hear 100% what you're saying, like in regards to like, you know, there is that risk of you know plagiarism and everything like that but far out like i'm like yeah i, I guess maybe if you're in a mate like oh, i don't know I, I i don't think the songs that i write are at that level <laughs> i think they need a lot of work um but yeah look and the thing about it is also with music is like you could play a song you could play it a certain way and we see it with covers all the time like someone can write you know uh a song and then someone can cover it and that cover sounds so much better than what the original does so, yeah, you know, if someone else does the exact same thing and it just sounds better, well, or they've, uh, you know, reinterpreted the song, like, yeah, does it mean that the original artist shouldn't get paid? No, but mm, it's, a, it's a tough one. Mm. But, um, no, I think, yeah, there's, like, this every, I think that question would stumble anyone, like, even if you'd been in a band for 20 years and... Mm. <sighs> Like, I think, and the other one that I am starting to see now a lot is that um, All Ages Show returns as well. I think mm. there's one in Sydney, there's one in Melbourne in December, and it's like, in a way, it's good because, you know, it means that um, younger fans can come to the gigs instead of it being 18 plus, but I guess there's all the security and having to pay for that on top of, the bands that are playing and that so actually yeah that would that would be something that uh i would you know i would probably like to see is probably some more all ages shows because yeah look music should be accessible to absolutely everyone mm. so that yeah that makes it because i mean yeah you know far out i remember <laughs> i'd like when i was uh what's called when i was you know 15 i fire probably 14 15 or something Tim used to, uh, when he was about 18, um, he used to take photos for like local bands and I used to go on as his plus one and I got to go into like um, all these, uh, what's call it, um, 18 plus shows as his plus one when he was like taking photos. So I got to see bands like Segression, Enemy Of, Truth Corroded and seeing all those types of bands in my formative years. Like it was just, it was insane. Like the, I was actually able to be exposed to local music at such an early age. Um, I think, yeah, everyone should be um, have that uh, have that access. Mm. And music is a really, it's really good for the mental health. It's good for the mind. And even if you're at a gig on your own, you don't realise just how much fun it is, even on your own. They do say. Um, going to shows on your own is better than missing out. So, yeah, one hundred percent. And look, it's your tribe, isn't it? Yeah, these are these these are your people. These are the people who like you have a common interest um, with. And look, it's the exact same thing as sports, isn't it? Mm. Like if you if you love a sport, um, yeah, it's 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 really is just tribalism. And if it's in a good in a holistic and a positive mindset, well then. Man, that's you know what more could you ask? It's the most uplifting thing, and also you could meet your uh, what you call it next partner or next best mate. Mm. Going there if you're going by yourself. Yep, um, Unify is a perfect example of that in Gippsland. I 
some of my best mates I've met at Unify over the years. And, um, you know, one mate I met there, we were volunteering together. We didn't even know who each other were before. And now we're very good friends. So, Just like that, man. And it's like I had this ask because I was at a gig, this is a few months ago, and um, this person comes up to me and I don't think it was um, – I think they were just a bit worried because they were seeing that I was all on my own and they just said, oh, did did all your friends desert you? I'm like, no, I came to the gig on my own. And they're like, you actually come to a gig on your own? I'm like, I do it 95% of the time. And they just said, I envy that you do that because I could never come to a show on my own. I'm like, wow, okay. It's... I think some people are too just get a bit scared to go to things on their own because they might not enjoy it as much. Uh, I think it comes back down to that whole, like, um, you know, you, you like to feel part of a group. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not an easy thing to go to a gig by yourself. hundred percent. That's a, it's a very, very hard thing to do because yeah, you get uh, what's called it. Uh, especially if you experience any sort of anxiety or anything like that, um, standing there by yourself. But as soon as that band starts it, that sort of gets washed away. Mm. Um, because you just get sort of cut. It's probably those moments about getting to the gig. Um, and before those bands starts and those bits in between, but yeah, I guess it's what alcohol's for, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're not um, encouraging drinking alcohol if you're listening to this interview. <laughs> but no, alcohol probably does help, and that sort of um, gets you involved in chatting with people because generally people are at the bar wanting a drink, and then you get started chatting. Someone's had a few drinks. On they're rambling on about something. Some people might think mm. I ramble on for an hour doing an interview, and I sound like I'm drunk, but I'm totally sober on this end. So, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out, dear. Yep the uh, the person who throws their arm around you and tells you everything that you need to do to uh, what's called it uh, for your band to go to go big. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, don't I, I enjoy those conversations. Yes, and it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, I thought, oh, I could go to Melbourne and just be fine. They hear I'm from regional Victoria. They're just like, oh, we won't bother you. It's like, where are you from? Warrigal? You've come all this way. Let me buy a drink. I'm like, oh, no. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) how many people think Warrigal is like an eternity away from Melbourne? It's not that far. It's like an hour and a half. But, Anyway, off topic again, it seems. <laughs> As was the style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we've had an hour and five minutes of actual um, material on here is more the fact. <laughs> on my end, that wasn't any disrespect from Brendan. Brendan's <laughs> bringing most of the enjoyment to this podcast. Sam's not. <laughs> uh, like, like I say, I love talking shop. Well, I've only really got um, one more question, Brendan, and then the tables get turned. Brendan asks me the hard-hitting questions if he has any, so be interested mm. to see. 
All right. Yeah. Three favourite fellow South Australian bands that you're liking at the moment. Oh, three? <laughs> That's rough. Um, definitely, uh, definitely my boys in Storm the Crown. Um, yeah, I, I just love what they're doing. Uh, their EP is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, oh, there's, a, there's a few. Who's going to make my top three? Um, uh, Endless Grey. I, I absolutely love Endless Grey. I love what they do. I think they're uh, watch call it's uh, uh, definitely a band that needs to be watched because yeah, they're you know they're um, what's called they're set at, at um, I'm not a burden. Absolutely blew the house down. Um, that was just, yeah, I, I was really, really impressed. And I think that there's uh, just some, something special there and they're going to be something to watch. Um, and, uh, I choose violence. Just, yeah. Another, uh, what you call it up and well, you know, well, pretty established now, um, Adelaide, uh, band and yeah, just absolutely brutal. And yeah, I was, I was really devastated. I didn't see them on, um, Saturday night cause I was still crook. Um, but yeah, they're my watch call. It's, uh, they're my they're my top three at the moment, my go tos. And whenever they're on a lineup, I try and uh, try and make my way to go see them. So Storm the Crown, Endless Grey, and I choose Violence. That's a pretty good top three. And as like many people, I reckon narrowing it down to three in South Australia at the moment is almost impossible. Yeah, I'll give my honourable mentions to Sons of Urbis and also Biofication. Yes, I mean uh, they're both very good bands and amazing bands. I've spoken to both. Um, actually, spoke to all of the members of Sons of Erebus, bar the yep. new members that have now joined the band. Obviously, yep. um, a few weeks ago, Love and Depravity and Worldfall, obviously, and Biofication. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing band as well. My top three, and like Brendan, it's not easy, but I think we've got to give those left behind as one of the spots. Stop it. Then it gets (laughs) fucking difficult. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I've got to say, I'll go Kin and I'll probably go Suffer the Avenue, but again, it's so hard to narrow it down to three. Alt, Discord, Higgsfield. There's so many out of South Australia that I haven't mentioned that could have been in that list as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's 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 not uh, it's not uh, it's not easy to narrow it down. No, but I've really been digging um, sick the uh, stuff the avenues um, EP. I mean. Um, volume one, super dead. I mean, I've been playing that heaps, and Kin only came across because Tyler, who is in Signals, it's his other band. Um, mm. Tyler messaged me and goes, Oh, check out my other band. I'm like, You're in another band? I thought you were only in Signals. It's like, Oh, no, you are in another band. So, and those left behind, well, what more can be said? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate that one. <laughs> and, uh, I'm waiting for the royalties in the mail. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no worries. I don't know who's going to have bigger royalties. Uh, what you call it? Um, Sun Clodo or um, <laughs> what you call it? Uh, those left behind. <laughs> uh, also, yeah, probably cost more in um, postage to send the royalties than 
actually mm. what I'd probably get in the royalties, but anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice, nice. But um, no, I think um, yeah, those top three, any state in Australia, I think South Australia and Victoria right at the moment would be the hardest to pick just three from. I think yeah. Victoria, yeah, that would even be more difficult because two of those three would probably be regional Victorian bands and then it'd be like, mm. who would be the last one? Yeah, yeah, that's always tough. Yeah, but um, yeah, nah. But if you haven't checked out any of the bands that Brendan um, checked out or any of the bands that I mentioned, check them out. Uh, there's a lot of South Australian music on today's podcast, actually. So, so, so it's it's turning into that uh, little hotbed again. So yeah, hopefully, uh, we can actually start to because when I. I call it when I was a young pup starting up. You had uh, what was it? You had the Hot Lies. You had Wendy Icon, um, Nazarite Vow. Um, who else was coming up at that same time? Oh yeah, One Way Out. You know, even right in the beginning, um, you had uh, you had Shot Point Blank coming through around that same sort of time. You had your oh, I killed the Prom Queen. Um, just absolutely star-studded, like mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully we can get back to those. Uh, those, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm looking back. Well, no, nah, they were all solid bands and had great careers. But yeah, um, it was uh, it was an interesting. It was a great time because you had like the pop punk scene that was really healthy, and you also had the hardcore scene that was uh, really healthy, all going around at that same time. So you had bands like yeah, STR, Sarah's Cole as well. Um, I was really big into the punk scene as well. Or yep. pop punk scene, um, so yeah, your STRs and your Sarah's Coles, um, that were coming through. Um, even um, bands like Infiction were great, um, like coming up back in the day, so yeah, no, it was uh, yeah, it was a really, really good time. And that uh, those early 2000s in Adelaide was just yeah, just had this just ridiculously good, every single lineup was just ridiculously good. Mm. I feel like it's coming back all of a sudden. Mm, well, let's uh, let's hope so. Mm, I think uh, it will go. Oh, sorry, you go. Uh, with uh, with the quality of bands that are coming up at the moment, hopefully, yeah, everyone, uh, what you call it, uh, sticks around and we can see some sick albums get released. Yep. And um, twenty twenty three has been a big year. I get the feeling twenty twenty four is just going to be even bigger. Yes, absolutely. Hopefully uh, we'll have uh, multiple releases again next year and um, yeah, we'll be able to put out uh, put out some new tracks and, yeah, hopefully increase the brutality because the new stuff's uh, going even heavier. Mm. So, yeah, it, once you hear the end of this podcast, uh, one piece of advice would be to go check out those left behind and mark my words, choking on life the message, everything that they released because nice. it is awesome music. And, um, yeah, I've, it's always a pleasure talking to either Tim or Brendan from those left behind on the podcast. And both of them know they're always welcome on the podcast at any stage. So, Brilliant. well, it comes to um, that part of the night where Sam's asked all the hard-hitting questions. Now the guest has the chance to ask the hard-hitting question. So if Brendan has anything he wants to ask me, fire away. 
Mm. All right. Um, so you're a quite frequent uh, frequenter of local gigs, a bit of a bit of a local gig connoisseur of sorts. What is it that blows your socks off when you see a gig? What is like go see a new band you've never seen before? What is it that makes you walk away saying that's rad? I think, and that's a very, very good question. Um, and I don't actually think I've ever been asked that either, Brendan, so that's <laughs> even better. Um, first thing first with that question, I think the one thing that um, sort of makes me walk away from a gig thinking it's rad and that I'm so glad I went is within the first five minutes of a gig, you know when you want to be there or you don't want to be there. And it's the band comes up on stage and says, hey, we're da-da-da-da, um, we're here to make you not the best, um, come chat to us after the show. It's when the band has that crowd involvement from the very start, It's that's when I know I've been at a rad gig. Yeah. And I think it's also that um, now, like three or four years ago, I was pretty, I wouldn't say it was unknown in the Melbourne scene, but I think it's pretty rad that I can walk into a venue now and still have the best fucking time and not catch up with anyone. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but mm. the fact that um, bands want to actually come up and chat to me or I go up to them, they're fine with that. I think that makes me feel really good about myself. Yeah, uh, getting recognised for all your hard work, it's always really, really rewarding. Mm. So, no, it's, I mean, yeah, and also you're a good bloke to chat to, so, no, I can see I can see why uh, people uh, can't engage with you because, yeah, everyone loves uh, to talk shop and we really love what you do as well. Mm. And I do have this, um, and this is nothing against interstate beds, so please, if any interstate beds are listening, this isn't a dig at you. I've always found the interstate beds are the hardest to get away from when you have to get going. Now, <laughs> no disrespect if anyone's listening, but Matthew from Haraway, our gig last year, me and him and another member of another band st- st- stood out, stayed, stood outside, stayed gold for nearly fifty minutes after their set and chatted. And I looked at my mobile, I'm like, I've got to get the fucking last train home. <laughs> uh, that sounds like that sounds like something that I would do because yeah, look, you go into state, you don't know anyone, and you you hit hit it off with someone, and then you just. Yeah, because you're stuck in a van with the same people for like eight hours and you're either uh, you've run out of your jokes or they've heard all your jokes before and you get uh, get someone who hasn't heard your litany of jokes and you're just like, all right, here we go. It's party time. I'm going to roll out this same material. Here we go. We've been rehearsing this for eight hours. <laughs> you're going to listen for eight hours. <laughs> so, yeah, if any interstate band is listening, that is not a diss at anyone. That's actually shown how much I fucking appreciate the interstate bands because that those are the bands that I sort of thought, well, hang on a minute. I'm from Victoria. They're from Sydney. They're from Adelaide, Brisbane, wherever it may be. 
they probably a bit nervous and don't know what to expect. But they've been some of the easiest people to talk to, the interstate fans. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could, uh, I could definitely see myself doing that. Like when, uh, I get uh, get chatting to people when we uh, go for interstate shows. Yeah, I, I kind of feel sorry for them because they can't. Uh, yeah, they uh, they can't get away from me. So <laughs> I could definitely see that uh, happening. But that's the good side of it. Like I'd much prefer if someone's talking to me for too long than just not that anyone ever has done it to me. But I've heard of stories where bands have done it. Is that they just snob you and don't want to talk to you? Like. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, um, yeah, it's <laughs> you don't want uh, that person to like just be, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like everyone's just a dark, everyone's just normal people, aren't they? Mm. So, yeah, and uh, people come see you, like the, you know, at the end of the day, like you've all got common interests, you all love music, so yeah, you should have something in common. Yep. And I've started doing something really interesting and I'm going to start doing it even more is I'm actually going to try and purchase merch online and pick it up at the merch stand at the gig if possible because that's the easiest way to go up and have a chat with the band. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, yeah, that's that's probably one of the easiest ways is, like, yeah, um, to go up and just, yeah, most of the time we're standing at, uh, what do you call it, um, the merch desk, especially if, um, yeah, if you're on the road because, yeah, you are, uh, what do you call it, you don't know anywhere else to go. Um, I think, yeah, the merch desk is a good way to chat to bands and um, then, you know, because if there's three or four bands there, you could chat to multiple bands, but obviously... Sometimes that's easier said than done. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now the uh, the the merch desk and there's always good banter that goes on there, so it's a uh, it's a good place to be. Funny story about the merch desk. Um, I saw um Wind Waker out loved in caskets and alt at Max Watts a few months ago, and caught up with everyone out of alt except for Oscar and. I said, oh, sorry, Oscar, I was trying to get round to everyone. He's like, I was at the merch stand all night. I'm like, oh, so was I, but I was too busy chatting to Jaden from Out Loved and couldn't get over in time. And it's just like, yeah. So if you see one person you know, they'll talk your ear off and then you can't mm. get to the next person. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's uh, – you probably uh... – you can get caught up, uh, especially with us. It'd be me and Timmy who would be chatting everyone's ear off. <laughs> Which I know I wouldn't mind. Like, <laughs> uh, if, except if I had to get a train home, I'd be like, um, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Just a really good question there, Brendan, actually. Uh, oh, that's uh, sweet. I can, uh, I can come up with uh, one or two every now and again. Yep. Ah, that's good. That's good. Good. It's uh, good. It's yeah. It's it, it, as for a musician, it's also what I want to know. Like, mm. what is it that we can do to essentially, yeah, make people enjoy your set? Mm. 
So, yeah, crowd involvement and bring the tribe and get uh, get everyone involved. I think, yeah, that's you know, that's definitely the same sort of things that I love as well. Mm. Because, yeah, I've been to the last few gigs before I took this break. Um, I just noticed within two minutes, you know when it's going to be an awesome night. The last two in particular before the break, I was just like, shit, this is only three minutes into the opening bed and I know this is going to be a night that will be rad from start to finish and both certainly were. Oh, that's good, mate. Yeah, those are, those, those are amazing nights when they happen. You just got to strike the iron while it's hot, don't you? Mm. And actually both um, were sort of better than I expected. Like I was expecting them to be good, but they went even further expectation of what I thought that would be. So oh, that's brilliant. Who were they? Uh, so the last one was a, actually funnily enough, an Adelaide band, a uh, drastic park, obviously from Melbourne and a couple of other Melbourne bands and down and out. And the one before that was ocean sleeper, Haraway and uh, oh, it was a stepson. Nice. Um, at Gold. That's where it was. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Sound like good lineups. Yes, and um, a couple of bands there that um, obviously are starting to really make it big here in Australia. Stepson have gone from zero to 100 in about a year and a half. They're one of the biggest metal bands from Queensland and probably in Australia right at the moment, I would say. Mm, it's taken off. Mm, and Ocean Sleeper, obviously. Uh, probably that next metal band you think the breakout year is only a year away for a band mm. like Ocean Sleeper if they're not there already, obviously. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, yeah, Drastic Park, like I know they're not metal and all that, but mm. the um the pop punk genre and they take the piss out of themselves. And I think any time they take the piss out of themselves, it's just funny and it creates fun banter at the gigs as well, I believe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Do uh, I do love my pop punk? So do you love uh, seeing that? That's getting a bit of a resurgence now. Yes, I'm a bit of a um, pop punk tragic of the early two thousands. It was yeah. sort of between the new metal phase and the emo phase that I had. Not that the emo phase was much; it was just my Chemical Romance and. Fallout Boy, and that was about it. But it's... Oh, one of my all-time favorite bands, a story of the year. Yeah. Oh, they, oh, oh, they were so good at not fest this oh. year. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, what's it called. Yeah, it definitely was. And I was even really into like those pop punk bands, like Newfound Glory, The Starting Line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dashboard Professionals, all that sort of stuff. That was all great. I was a, yeah, I was a diehard Newfound fan like <laughs> so good so good i was a massive starting line fan as well mine was also bands like all time low before they went well i'm not having to go against their last few albums but for me nothing personal mm. um the one before nothing personal with like dear maria and all that yeah oh, what was that album called with Dear Maria, Count Me In, and Coffee Shop Soundtrack. I can't think what it's called now. Oh, I can't even remember now. Is it Dirty Laundry? No. Oh, Dirty Work? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
I can't. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue now. I can't even remember. But yeah. I, even those bands like Nest and uh, MXPX, I used yeah. to love bands like that as well. Them, they were always uh, they were always great. Um, there was another really good band called Matchbook Romance. They were all they were fantastic. Yeah, no. I saw MXPX years ago at Soundwave. They actually were the opening band, and that was the same year, I believe, as was it Iron Maiden and Queens of the Stone Age. So it must have been twenty eleven, I think. Mm. And that they were actually one of the best bands on the lineup. Obviously, Queens, Iron Maiden, Primus were my three standouts from that year. But mm. No, that's uh, what's called it. Though, yeah, they, there's been some uh, what's called it? there's been some uh, really really good uh, pop pop bands to to come out and what was it? Um, I think Heroes for Hire are starting to come back uh, around again and mm. that I absolutely love. They were always really good. Yes, a resurgence is that the word? Resurgence, resurgence yeah, yeah, resurgence. That's the word I was trying to think of. <laughs> Oh, far out, far out. <laughs> well, I say this after every interview, and this is no exception. I actually don't want this to end, but I feel like given it's a Monday night, Brendan probably has work in the morning. Now, I know Adelaide are obviously half an hour behind us, and it's only 9.30 over there at the mm-hmm. moment, but I'm thinking we probably should wrap this up. Yeah, definitely. I'm an early riser, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll leave you to your own devices. But thank you so much for having me. Uh, what you call it on the show? Always love your work and love your support of uh, local and Australian music. No worries. Thanks, Brendan, and thanks to everyone in those left behind. You've been like really supportive and appreciative, and easy to chat to as always. And um, yeah, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and. Show your boys some love and hopefully sometime soon get to catch those left behind in person. Yeah, so we'll plan to go over to Victoria um, early next year. And, yeah, keep uh, keep putting out your amazing content. We'll keep tuning in. No worries, Brendan. I'll send you the links very shortly to part one and part two and you can share them around and listen to them. Absolutely. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. No worries, Brendan. Well, have a good rest of your Monday evening and we'll chat again soon. All right. Chat soon. Catch you later. See you soon. Bye. See ya.